Welcome to part two of the special edition of Middle Georgia Podcast, celebrating the 100th birthday of WMAZ Radio and the century mark of radio in Middle Georgia. Show me a show you can hear all around Tadnall Square, Hay House, Indian Mounds. Show me a show that's the best show of all, and I'll show you the best show in This is our anniversary special on Macon's first radio station since 1922. News Talk 940 WMAC. In 1947, some major changes took place at AM 940. In February, the company introduced Macon to FM when it began simulcasting on WMAZ-FM at 99.1. The AM station received yet another power increase, 10,000 watts. This change meant new towers and a new transmitter site on Forsyth Road. Billy Sowell, who joined the engineering staff that year, says this upgrade presented a new challenge. It was the first station in the country ever to use a five-tower inline directional system designed by Mr. George Rankin. By the time the station was 10,000 watts, WMAZ's longest-running voice was already being heard in middle Georgia and beyond. Far away the depths of my spirit today rolls a melody sweeter than song. Macon's most well-known minister, Reverend Jimmy Waters, caught the radio bug and made his debut on WSB in Atlanta when he was just nine years old and living in Stone Mountain. It was at WSB that Jimmy first met Frank Red Cross Crowther, who later became WMAZ's general manager. When Jimmy Waters moved to Macon to attend Mercer University and work at Mabel White Baptist Church in 1945, he and Crowther got together again. He said, we have had uh, this radio workshop at Westland College to run a survey across the city asking people in the morning hours, like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, what did they feel WMAZ needed most to round out their broadcasting programs and uh, to give any idea that they had of what they'd like to hear? And he said, we were shocked to find out that most of the people said we would like one consistent, continuous radio program of religion to come on the air singing hymns and and just uh, a, a devotional time. It, we feel the need of it in the morning. And he said, I told the guys, uh, I know a young man who's come here to go to Mercer University, and uh, I've known his background, and I believe I'll talk to him and let's see what we think. So that's where it began. And uh, we started out to do uh, what we felt like would be a good thing, and, and I started a, a program, and Mr. Cross himself named it, Testament time. We were on at 9 o'clock, 9 and 9.15 every day. And that was uh, December 6, 1948. It was soon obvious that WMAZ Radio and Jimmy Waters were a perfect match. So his airtime was expanded to include an early Sunday morning slot and a Sunday evening show that's been a part of AM 940 since the late 40s. He is for victory, sing it out is a glorious word. Sunday night after church, we established a 30-minute broadcast called the Victory Hour. We did it live, everything was live then. 
Uh, you didn't have any audio tape at all. We had no way of recording other than wire recording, and that wouldn't hold music. Uh, but tape recording later came in and we had something to work with. I'm still doing that right here on this station, WMAC. The Victory Hour is heard every Sunday morning, 8.30 to 9. And now my family does it instead of the church and choir. Though the Victory Hour has always originated here in Macon, it's been heard in other parts of the country and around the world. And one day we had a, a missionary station in the Philippines the president came by to speak to our church and speak to our people, and I wanted to meet him and know him. His name was Bob Bowman, and he was president of DZAS Manila in the Philippine Islands. We had three men who were in the war out there in the Far East, and they got together even before the war was over and talked about establishing a Christian radio station, and they did in Manila and Philippine Islands. Then. They got, they got nine shortwave bands which were capable of circumfering the earth. And I've heard from every uh, major place in the world over the period of time there, and we've got stacks of mail that's come from all the countries, you know. Jimmy Waters' broadcast have also given him the opportunity to showcase the musical talents of two generations of his family. Every father who's worth his salt thinks his children are the greatest in the world, you know, and his grandchildren greater than they are, and so you go. I never dreamed that my children would be as beneficial as they were on the air, but they came on and they fit the situation, and they, lo they loved it, and they still love it, and they're still cooperative, and they have done it when when Deborah, my youngest of our daughters in the family, uh, was two, a little over two years old, uh, she began to sing with her sisters, and it worked like a charm. She sang like an angel, and all three of them, that's probably the happiest day in my life in broadcasting, was the day that my three little daughters, Diane, Sheila, and Deborah, all sang together three parts, one of the good hymns and a song that the children like to sing. And Jimmy, my son, came along after 18 years and three daughters. Uh, Jimmy came along, and uh, he was a singer too. And we did a simulcast several times on the morning show at 9 o'clock. And it gave them some experience they wouldn't have any other way. And so uh, we're, we're pleased that we're still able to carry this on. Now, the grandchildren have come along. We got seven grandchildren, every one of them sing. Brother Jimmy says that his long association with AM 940 has given him the outlet to reach people he can't reach in the pulpit. I don't want to miss opportunities to get beyond the walls of the church. So in broadcasting, I found a niche where we could minister to the masses, most of whom we'd never see. And uh, the fact that we don't see our audience, but yet we get to them because we keep it on the individual level. Uh, I've had a world of people who say, I felt like you were talking only to me, and you got to my heart. Uh, I've had people in every circumstance of life who have written to me, and I have some, some uh, letters and telephone calls and all the other things that goes with communication, giving me both pro and con. Uh, what the broadcast has meant to them and what religious broadcasting has done. Um, I had one man who, who, who I had never met, and he had never met me, but he'd been listening to my broadcast through the years. He had a bad experience, and uh, he had his 
niece to come up to talk to me at Mabel White Church. And uh, I went down to talk to him in prison and helped him through a very bad situation. Uh, it wasn't a matter of getting him out, it wasn't that. It was a matter of consoling him and strengthening him and giving him the faith and grace to face the things that he had to face. And what he was facing was the electric chair. And uh, I walked the last mile with him. Though Jimmy Waters is the voice heard the longest on this station, his gospel music was not the first heard on WMAZ. Del Ward recalls how Deacon Utley and the Smile a While Quartet began their 15-year run in July of 1939. Mr. Chester Burnett down in the Sturkey's building, which is on the corner of uh, Broadway and Cherry. Uh, every day, Chester Burnett, known as the Friendly Voice, read out everything, anything. You know, you could send him a note and say, my mama's having a birthday next week. She'll be 65 years old. Would you please announce this? Her name is Emma Sue. And so he would announce this. And if people uh, could sing songs and they'd show up and he'd put them on the radio. So Red Cross said to um, Deacon Utley, take your group down. Deacon Utley's son, Lynn, was the pianist. Go down and just get on that show. And uh, they did. They went down and they sang, and when they got through, there was a phone call down to the Sturkey's Furniture Store that sponsored the program, and they said, this is Red Cross calling. He talked to Dick and Utley, he said, you've got a radio program. I'm glad he's a Listening to our anniversary special on News Talk 940 WMAC. Since 1932, sports has been a vital part of AM 940's programming. During that year's baseball season, WMAZ Radio broadcast a Macon Peaches game for the first time. Macon's Southeastern League team was managed by Mansfield, Georgia native Sherrod Smith, who had pitched for the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Cleveland Indians. WMAZ's debut baseball season at the three-year-old Luther Williams Field was short-lived as the league disbanded in May. Macon entered the Sally League in 1936, and three years later, WMAZ broadcast select home games once again. On one particular broadcast that year, the station had prominent Maconites describe each half inning. In 1941, when the Peaches dropped their working agreement with the Dodgers and switched to the Cubs, WMAZ began broadcasting the games on a regular basis. Frank Red Cross Crowther handled the play-by-play, -play, and Billy Sowell got his first taste of radio, though he was not yet an employee as such. I set up the equipment at the ballpark for the local making Peaches ball games in, and I think there was something like 50 cents a day, plus all of the bus fare and all of the drinks and the hot dogs I wanted. <laughs> 
1949, the Macon Peaches games moved to WNEX, where Bill Riddle and Bob Savage called the home games at Luther Williams and recreated road games using wire reports and sound effects records. When Savage joined WMAZ, he had the luxury of traveling with the team to out-of-town games. Bobby Pope recalls the circumstances that brought Bob Savage to Middle Georgia. Bob came from, uh, I think he was actually working with the Green Bay Packers, or uh, I want to say it was with the Green Bay Packers, but came south to do Georgia Tech football on WNEX, as I recall, with Al Lowe. And uh, I don't think that ever worked, but that was about the time the station came on and Bob had a great background in sports and when Channel 13 went on the air, he moved over and, and became their sports anchor and held that job until 1970 on television. And I took over in 1970 on television and did a combo. A longtime voice of radio and television sports in middle Georgia, Bobby Pope was not exclusively in sports when he joined the station in 1964. I more or less started out in news with a new sports combo because I can remember when uh, Roscoe Henson, the uh, police detective that got killed uh, in the police department. And I, I was uh, the young kid, 19 or 20 years old, that uh, when they uh, got his uh, murderer, that I did the report and I'll never forget it. I, I, forget, I was so nervous that I forgot uh, the man's name that had shot Roscoe Henson. I worked with Bob Savage on uh, high school football. I worked with Jimmy Lee on high school football. I did a lot of state high school basketball tournaments. Uh, just about uh, everywhere. I can remember uh, traveling with uh, Central High School, I guess it was in 1974-75, actually rode the bus with them to go to their state tournament games. Started Mercer basketball as, uh, when we started in 1970. Uh, actually was the first voice of the Bears per se, I guess you would say, on, on radio broadcast. Of the hundreds of Mercer basketball games Bobby called on WMAZ, there's one that stands out the most. We did a game at uh, Georgia State. This was a Mercer game in 1974, I think it was. And the phone lines were out there in the building. They had a pay phone out in the hall. And I actually did a play-by-play -play of our Georgia State Mercer game from the hall, never saw a play of it. Billy Sowell, our engineer, was standing at the doorway and he would yell down to me, you know, harden two points. And I, I fabricated the whole game as we went and got through it. Mercer won by about 30, so you didn't miss a lot. But I fabricated the whole basketball game, actually never seeing one play of that game. When the Milwaukee Braves moved south in 1966, AM 940 was one of the first stations signed to the Atlanta Braves radio network. One of the greatest Braves moments on the station came on April 8, 1974, and Milo Hamilton made the call. Henry Aaron in the second inning walked and scored. He's sitting on 7-14. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. The fireworks are going. Henry Aaron is coming around third. His teammates are at home plate, and listen to this crowd. 
And no Braves fan will ever forget Skip Carey's most famous call from the 92 playoffs against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Two balls, one strike. What tension. The runners lead. A lot of room in right center. If he hits one there, we can dance in the streets. The 2-1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Bream. Here's the throw to the plate. He is safe. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Don King hosted WMAZ's morning show when the Braves became the team of the 90s, and he recalls the effect on his program. You couldn't give too much Braves news. That's what they wanted to know any aspect of it. I remember the Braves caravan came by. We used to do that a lot at uh, MAC, and I enjoy that. Uh, that's when they were bad, and so before the season would start, they'd get represented about four players, and sometimes you'd get three good ones and a rookie, and uh, the fans could see them and get autographs. It was all to get you to buy tickets or go to the Braves game, but when they got very successful, they know, as far as I know, don't do those Braves caravans anymore. Braves baseball and Georgia Bulldogs football have been the mainstay of WMAZ radio for many years. When the Braves first moved to Atlanta, the legendary Larry Munson had a year under his belt with the dogs. Here are a few vintage Munson calls you heard on AM 940. We hand it off to Herschel, there's a hole, five. 10, 12, he's running over people. Oh, you Herschel Walker. Buck back third down on the eight. In trouble. Got a block behind him. Gonna throw on a run. Complete to the 25. To the 30. Lindsey's got 35, 40. Lindsey's got 45, 50. 45, 40. Run, Lindsey. 25, 20, 50, 10, 5. Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. You know, this game has always been called the world's greatest cocktail party. Do you know what is gonna happen here tonight? And up at St. Simon's and Jekyll Island and all those places where all those dog people have got these condominiums for four days. Man, is there going to be some property destroyed tonight. As they curl over the ball, Georgia students and fans standing and roaring. 23, 22, 21. Clock running, running. Oh, look at the sugar falling out of the sky. Look at the sugar falling out of the sky. For many years, WMAZ Radio covered Georgia's most prestigious sports event in Augusta, and this gave Bobby Pope the opportunity to branch out beyond Macon. I guess I covered the Masters from probably 1965 up until almost 1980, I guess, 81, 82. I'd go over there on Tuesday or Wednesday and, uh, and live at the Masters. You know, I had the, oh gosh, it was great especially that first couple of years, and then it became, you know, uh, you knew you had to go over there on Tuesday. You didn't get back till Sunday or Monday, and, uh, boy, it, it got to be a grind because not only was I feeding them, I was using my freelance. I was feeding other stations, so I was on the phone virtually uh, eight hours a day calling other radio stations because I was trying to freelance and make a little money. Perhaps Pope's most unusual radio broadcast was an event that happened at Wesleyan College. Yeah, we did uh, even a, a broadcast on radio of the Macon International Tennis Tournament when it came here in the uh, late 1960s and was played at Wesleyan College. And we had, uh, and that was before the, uh, I guess the Coliseum was built. And I think the first round was, or the first year was played at uh, inside at, uh, at Wesleyan College. And we did that on radio, if you can imagine broadcasting tennis on radio. And I can remember feeding, uh, 
so many different stations when we had the, uh, the tennis tournament here uh, from Macon. I fed CBS. You know, Bobby Pope was on CBS radio, and that was unbelievable to me. In addition to daily sportscast and select Macon Braves baseball games, Bobby Pope also does the Saturday scoreboard on News Talk 940, a show he started in 1975. I had heard a similar type broadcast somewhere, and I don't even remember where it was, and I just thought, hey, this will work uh, on, uh, on radio for us. And so I go to Albert Sanders and say, Albert, I, I think this is something that would really work, and, and I would be willing to, to do this show each Saturday after the Georgia games. And That was before ESPN where you couldn't get all the scores, and you know, I was on for, I think, uh, two hours after every Georgia game and that was much more than Georgia played at one o'clock and you knew at four o'clock I was gonna be on the air from four to six. Well now it's so because of television, you know, you have to kind of work it around because of the television schedule first and foremost. But back in those days, it was the Budweiser scoreboard. And I think it was, I remember going to Wynn Stewart and Otis Hughes, who was a sales manager at that particular time. We didn't even have a price uh, that we wanted to ask for the show. When we went in, a price just hit me in the head, and I set it right off the top of my head, and he bought it. Coming up in the second hour... The noise that you hear at the moment is the sound of the air raid siren. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Helen Farmer reporting the dinner bell news for our sponsor. Three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. 742-1294 is my telephone number here on the Bill Powell Show. I'm Gary Gunter. Stay tuned for more of the anniversary special on News Talk 940, WMAC. Productions.